I've heard mm-hmm. quotes that you have to love the product if you're in in-house and you get to know the user very well, which is something that I felt was lacking on consulting. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Designer Sushi, a podcast about the everyday life of a UX designer through the perspectives of two career switcher UX designers that have a shared working abroad experience in Japan. I'm your host, Lori, and I'm located in Toronto, Canada. And I'm your other host, Mika, and I'm located in Tokyo, Japan. For this episode, finally, we have our first guest. (laughs) Yay! And uh, our guest uh, for this episode is talented senior product designer who's also based in Tokyo, Japan, who's here to uh, have a conversation about what it's like working at a consulting company versus an agency and versus an in-house company here in Japan, as well as in Canada. And so our guest for today, she's also my friend, Cole Ha. So Hi, Nicole. Hello, and thank you so much for coming onto the show. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to talk to you, Nicole, because you're our first guest here in our space, and we've never had this before. So, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you should be happy and <laughs> feel special about that. But uh, because our listeners, they don't know much about you, so we would love if you could give us like a brief introduction about yourself and what are you doing here in Tokyo, Japan? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, Mika and Lori, for having me here today. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I can kind of break up my introduction into three parts. Yeah, so starting off with my identity, I was raised like born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Ethnically, my parents are Hispanic, so I grew up speaking in a Spanish environment. And yeah, my pronouns are she and hers. And that kind of concludes my identity, kind of moving on to my education. Yeah, I did my bachelor's in Vancouver, BC. And actually what kind of brought me to Japan was my master's. I came here to do my master's specifically in information technology. And that's how I kind of got my toes dipped into the US research and I loved it so much I graduated and yeah I went into marketing a little bit just because the UX industry in Japan wasn't ready but yeah I kind of came back to the UX industry now that it is a little bit more developed and more specifically for my the work version I'm currently a senior UX designer at yeah at an agency and I work specifically right now in the eCRM field yay thanks so much Nicole yeah no problem that's such a great yeah introduction just love how we also are all intersecting like where you're from toronto i'm from toronto too and then we all here have worked and lived in tokyo japan so yeah we have a, such a cool crowd going on here that's right and we're all career switchers too yeah um, just a question though nicole like what made you want to switch to ux was it when you were taking your master's or was it way before that yeah, it was during my master's. Actually, my uh, master's program, it's interesting. It's pretty general. And the thing is, we can conduct research on anything we find interesting, as long as we can connect it to information. So at that time, you know, I was interested in like mobile apps, like tourism and UX research. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did my thesis on how like first time foreigners navigate Tokyo. And I looked at, you know, what apps they use, why they use them and how they use them. And I think that really kind of 
wrap things up and like, wow, this is the space I really want to go to. But when I was ready for job hunting, it was completely different in Japan. Like, oh, UX designer positions were still fused with developer positions. So I'm like, oh no, I can't code for life. So I pivoted towards marketing. And、um, yeah, even during my marketing days, I was, you know, UX design was always at the back of my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back to it eventually when everything is. You know, ready. And yeah, I think a couple of years ago, my friends here were like, hey, girl, it's ready. You can come back now. <laughs> yeah. Then I started like, okay, maybe it is a good time because it was like, you know, during the pandemic,、yeah. I was also kind of tired of traveling from my marketing job. So yeah, I think everything kind of came together and I made the switch. And that's during the time that I met you too, right? Yeah. Because we, we met through an online meetup in Japan.、Mm-hmm. And I think at the time you were still doing your、um, boot camp.、Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Of course, right? Yeah. I was like in the cross sectional section. Yeah. I was like transitioning from my old job, going into, I did the boot camp to kind of refresh my skills. And then I was、mm. like moving on. Yeah. I was planning already to move back into Japan during that time. And now here you are. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like your background, you had such a wealth of experience, both education side and the work experience sides of Japan.、Mm-hmm. So this is a side. Topic, but how was your master's like, in, especially in Tokyo, Japan? Because I have heard stories, but definitely would love to hear your perspective too. And I'm sure the listeners do because they love Japan. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, I think I have a good experience with my master's degree. Yeah, I think it, let me think about that a little bit deeper. Definitely, there is a cultural change. And I think everybody who's, you know, maybe open about like learning Japanese won't have so much trouble and just being kind of like uncomfortable with change. Or if you're like the person who can really like push yourself or be in like, you know, in situations that kind Of expect the unexpected, I think you're going to be fine because that what was kind of my master's experience. The, the courses were in English, but the only Japanese portion was like outside of school, but you still need to kind of train yourself just because then you know you won't be able to make friends, you won't be able to order. Even something like getting an apartment at dorm rooms、um, is going to be difficult for you. But in terms of the academics, it was really just, yeah, it was fun. It was nice to be with other people who you can kind of nerd out with. And I think probably the funniest experience was this school is kind of known for, I think the ratio of like males to females is really unbalanced. I think there's only like maybe 18% of the total school's population is female. So I had a lot of, like, I made a lot of guy friends and kind of like Big Bang Theory, a lot of them were really a little bit like socially <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I, I met a lot of those in the Japan. Stereotypical, yeah. stereotypical geeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they were like, they were so smart. I mean, I was like, wow, like this person, like I want to pick his brains. But yeah, I think I realized, wow, communication is so important because he couldn't communicate his ideas so well. Yeah, other than that, I think my experience was really good. So. That's good to hear. And the, some of the, like, my really good friends, they were all geeks. And I think in Japan, you kind of have to be a geek yourself. <laughs> That's right. To enjoy the country. Exactly, exactly. So let's just get started then. So we'll just like ask some questions just to dive more deeper into what it really is like working in these different types of industry in house. Mika will cover that. And then Nicole will cover the agency side. And then I will cover the consulting side in terms of UX and product design because we felt that 
from our colleagues that UX and product design, they mostly focused on in-house, but we realized after we we left our like education that there was such a other world out there in UX besides the in-house process. So this is the purpose of this topic. We're just going to share our experience to see what the differences is like, and then maybe we can learn and like learn about ourselves if this is like the right <laughs> industry for us and then also oh my God. For, right and also for <laughs> listeners to see am i gonna oh, have an existential crisis <laughs> you might just have that mika we might oh, just no. have like a eureka moment <laughs> in oh. this podcast Tanoshimi, i look forward to it <laughs> bring it on okay, okay here we go. <laughs> okay so i'm gonna like do it as like a game okay but no not really i'm just gonna shoot questions <laughs> um <laughs> Prepare yourself, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Okay, so the first question, what type of projects do you work on at your jobs? I'm going to pick on Nicole first because she's our guest. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I think in an agency, I guess, environment, we get to kind of work on, I'd like to say like a variety of projects in during one time frame. For example, if you have like if you're one year in the company, something that my agency does is they assign us three to four projects to work on at the same time. And for that, if we want to go a little bit more in depth with that, these projects range everything from ECRM, like e-commerce, to just something completely different like branding for, let's say, like an automobile company to something like doing like design systems for a financial institution. So they're pretty, like the scope is pretty big it just depends on what types of clients or like pitches your agency wins that's very interesting that you said that you work on three to four projects at the same time mm -hmm. is this like is this a lot to handle do you have to multitask a lot yes yes and no I think in at least from my agency we have pms that can help us out and like account managers to kind of sort out the whole scheduling between all the different projects going on but I think in general like the workflow comes in waves like there's going to be some months that it's going to be super busy and not to the point that you know you have to do overtime but you're going to maximize that nine to five to the fullest and there are other months that the work kind of dies down a bit and you're like a little bit more free in in your work schedule so I think we just yeah as me a designer who currently works there I just embrace like the highs and lows and if there is a high I think I'm very lucky to have like a supportive design team that you know if somebody else has is on a low they always like jump in and volunteer to kind of help me out when I'm super busy and same with them like when they're super busy and I have maybe like a lot of kind of free I also jump in and kind of volunteer to help them out so yeah I think our team is quite strong and united in that sense. For sure. Yeah. Sounds like in the agency side, there seems to be multiple, yeah, multiple projects. Mm -hmm. Are they of different scopes? Like, for example, do you have to do one branding on one project? In the other project, you have to do a design system, mm -hmm. for example? Yep. It's exactly what you just mentioned, Lori. Yep. They're different projects covering different, I guess, like phases in the design process. And each of them have different like durations too. Like one could be just branding and that could be done in a month versus the design system that could be maybe like half a year or something to to really build up okay very interesting see this is something that i personally have not done in a boot camp doing many different design 
ask mm-hmm. at the same time. So, so Mika then, because you work in-house, how is that like for you? Well, I'm kind of uh, in the same boat as Nicole, where I also work in different projects at the same time. Although the difference would be it's always under the same umbrella, under the same niche. And it the, the difference is... For example, I would work on a project that is focused on, let's say, more on the customer acquisition side. And then another project would be towards, let's say, customer retention. But at the end of the day, it's still under the same business. So I guess that can be like a point of difference when it comes to an agency versus an in-house environment. Curious though... Nicole, I'm wondering, like, how are projects assigned to you? Is it based on your interests or on your expertise? Or I'm just wondering, like, how projects are kind of delegated in an agency? Mm-hmm. There, I think the PMs and even the account manager, they kind of take different considerations. And some were just some that you mentioned, like, for example, if I have more experience in doing design systems, obviously, they're going to place me with the design systems project. Also, So sometimes it might be the level of designer you are, like for a more complicated project, they don't want to assign, you know, a junior to that just because, you know, they're going to drown and also the client will be probably disappointed with that. And lastly, it could be just our own preference too. say, like, I really want to work for the automobile company and I maybe want to break into that like space a little bit more. If I kind of mention this to my PM or the account manager, they will try to kind of match that up if possible. Oh, because from what I've heard, uh, I I mean, you can debunk my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've heard, you cannot really choose per se. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot just say like, oh, this is the only type of project that I want to work on. So you kind of have to be open-minded to try other fields mm-hmm. when you work at an agency, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, you can't really pick and say like this one, yes, this one, no. Uh, but you can let, you know, your, your manager know like your preferences or what you want to work on eventually. They will try to do their best. And also sometimes it's, the scope as well like if it's a really huge project sometimes it's just like we have to get all the designers on board whether it's interesting or not we need more design power on this project so everybody gets to do it mm, i see so i guess it, it kind of is sim- similar in some ways with Lori's type of environment but i'll leave it up to you Lori, to expand more on that like what about the consulting environment like what is it like Honestly, I think like from our discussions, even like previous discussions in our podcast and then hearing Nicole's, I feel like UX consulting is in the middle of it. So my line of work, it is project based. So similar to the agency side. But at the same time, I don't work on multiple projects. Like I don't work on like branding and then design systems and then maybe wireframes all at the same time. Like in consulting, in a general term, it's going to a client and solving problems. So that's like the general term. So it's very common in industry and marketing, accounting and business, like like being a business analyst. But in UX, it's still not understood. (laughs) And I can see why. I mean, I didn't really understand it too when I first joined. So I can see why it, it's still not defined. So like at my 
work, I would actually be put with a client. So I'm going to compare it to like, you know, those hakken kaisha in um, in Japan? Yes. Like you're, yeah, something like that. But I actually get placed like in companies like that. So I'm actually working with them, but I'm not part of their company. So I get to see their in-house process, but I'm just the outsider because I don't have to follow their company rules. I'm literally just to like if they needed more hands in their design work, for example. So I think that's half and half. Like I see in-house process, but I'm not part of the company, but I'm project-based, like the agency side. It's like a combo between in-house yeah. and agency. You're yeah, the agency right? yeah. in-house baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if in-house and agency were hook- to hook up, yes, consulting would be the baby. Oh my <laughs> Okay, but listeners, now you know. Now you know the difference. Like, I think the difference with um with consulting and agency was that yeah, it, I think it's very similar agency and consulting compared to in house and mm. consulting. Consulting and agency they follow very uh, similar process. Like clients are number one. I'm not sure if you think if you have heard that before, Nicole, in agency, but. Yeah, our clients are our number one top priority. Got it. And it's project based too. Yeah. So there, so it's heavily dependent on the client that we have. And then we also work with different clients too, like finance, insurance, health, and hospitality. It's like an endless amount of industries. And the projects they don't really last that long in consulting. Sometimes it could last three months, six months, maybe a year. It really depends on like if the client wants you on that project mm. or not. So I'm not sure about if your projects are really long timelines. Like, is it like that with in-house? At least in my case, usually the longest project I've been on was I think around six months. So in, at least in my company, the, the pace is pretty fast too, even though we're an in-house. The difference is that unlike an agency or a consulting company, you really get to concentrate in one niche and then you get to see how it operates on a daily basis and you get to really know what the business is actually like. I think as opposed to working at an agency or a consulting where you're pretty much kind of like coming in as an outsider, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, I've worked with agencies too. Nicole, <laughs> Nicole's agency in particular. The oh. way our dynamic is, is that the agencies, they would suggest things like we might do this based on your business goals. And as an in-house designer, I work with people from agencies and I my job is to make sure that what they're proposing is in line with what our goals are as a business and what I deem is going to be the best user experience because I would have more context on what's going on, right? And my responsibility is also to inform the agency, okay, you're proposing, let's say this type of user journey but then we have stuff that is coming that may render your a proposal less useless for example or, or it might be less relevant depending on what's going to be happening within the company so that's kind of the dynamic that i have between agencies and other external companies mm-hmm. that we work with but yeah so it's more of a if you're doing an in-house work you're going to be really immersed in one industry as opposed to an agency or a consulting work environment. Yeah, that's what I heard. When you're in in-house, you know like the product, for example, really well. I've heard mm-hmm. quotes that you have to love the product if you're in in-house and you get to know the user very well, which is something that I felt was lacking on consulting. I don't know if it's similar to you, Nicole, because once we finish the deliverable, mm-hmm. like I would just leave to the next project. And so I don't even know what's going on. So I just... Wow, okay, on to the next project. Okay, wow. 
totally different users, totally different goals, totally different team dynamic. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like similar to you, Nicole, as well. No, it definitely is. I feel like Mm -hmm. just like you, Lori, depends on the client, depends on the brief as well and their budget. Some of them do like pay us to stay for the follow-up, you know, after maybe giving them the new wireframes or the branding. There could be like some follow-up to be done by their users. But most of the times, you know, yeah, I don't get enough closure as well. Yeah. So I don't know if like, oh, you know, these wireframes that we did, did they, you know, perform well or did it, you know, was it a flop? So yeah, I think that's the one maybe cons of agency. (laughs) I wish I would get that closure to see like, okay, did we do well? Did we not do well? And usually, you know, we, we know if we did well, um, if actually like the client comes back. So if they come back, we know we did a good job, but there's just no metrics to kind of go along with that success, I guess. I guess for agency, you have to really seek it out, right? Ask the client like how it went. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm, I think we inform you guys, right? (laughs) Your agency. Yes, yes. You you do inform us. You're one of the few clients who informs us. See, we're we're good clients. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the norm, Okay, so the next question, what is the design and work process like at your job? So I'll start with Mika. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, in my company, uh, there's always these initiatives going on because I work in e-commerce field. So uh, we have to sell products to customers. And how it happens is, of course, like as in retailer, for example, there will be launches or there will be campaigns going on. And that's how usually the projects are kicked off. And so it starts off with meeting with all of the stakeholders, explaining, for example, why are we having this promo, what this is for, who the um, target customer is, and as well as the scope, the timeline. So this is where we kind of settle on, okay, what's going to be the workload like and what's going to be delivered. And as a UX UI designer, I have to kind of estimate already like okay based on the timeline that they're proposing first of all is it feasible on our end and uh, if it is then when can we get for example any necessary for example assets or copy that we need to get this project launched successfully so usually that's how it starts and then from there I coordinate with different teams so if there's a need for for a development because we also have some channels that uh, we rely on ID for. So I have to also coordinate their own timeline because they also have their own way of working. And I have to make sure that, for example, if I need to deliver something to them, I need to deliver it before they're... Because they have this fixed time where, for example, if we're going to launch something and we need their help, all their uh, all the assets that we need to hand over to them should be, for example, handed over a month before. So I have to work it out with them, like depending on when I will receive the specifications and all the assets and all those things and work it with IT. And then from there, I can kind of like reverse engineer, okay, this is how my approach will be for a specific project. So it my process usually varies from how big of a scale the project's going to be. So... Um, depending on if it's just like a simple product launch or if it's a simple like short-term campaign. 
I kind of tailor what I'm going to be doing. And the good thing is that being in a pretty large company, I do have access to data. So it's not like, for example, in a startup company where you kind of have to do like a down and dirty research, right? But with a large corporation with pretty big scale analytics team and all those things going on, the way I do my research is that I consult with these teams, like the data team, and kind of look at how, for example, our e-commerce website is performing and then design around that based on the data that I find. We have, let's say, a product launch. And so it would start off with marketing, uh, giving the design team, let's say, the promotional materials that's going to go on the, the website. Mm-hmm. And then as a UX designer, it's my job to turn those materials into deliverables that are good for the website, that are good to go. Because maybe the listeners aren't that aware, but in Japan, promotional materials for print tend to be super loud and they, they tend to be like overcrowded with information. Yeah. And you cannot really, you cannot see that going well in a web format. And so as a UX UI designer, you have to kind of like digitize that as we call it in the company. So we digitize it in a way that's going to translate well in an e-commerce website that is also in line with, for example, the, the design system that we have in place because we also have guidelines that we need to follow. And then... Uh, depending on the nature of the launch or, for example, if it's a new product in general or if it's just like, let's say, a variant of an already existing product, the promotion for that would vary. And I also have to consider what the business goals are because usually the company, they would say, oh, we want to launch this, but there's only a particular set of people that we wanted to promote this for. Yeah, that's what I heard with in-house is mm-hmm. that the work process and the design thinking process still have standards to follow according to the company and what the company wants. And it's just the different ask and the different goals of the business, but very, very similar like rules and standards. You still pretty much follow the the design process. It's just, it manifests differently depending Mm -hmm. on what field you're in. So for example, if you're in a startup, maybe your research is more, hands-on like you actually go out interview uh, users or customers for your product whereas in an in-house maybe if your company has already a lot of data or they have this infrastructure in place already that allows you to have access to customer data so maybe it's not as hands-on as you know in the traditional image of user research but you still get to like get a feel of how your product or your service is performing yeah that's true because i heard that when i was reading with in-house is that yeah it's very similar structure and process that Mm. they have to follow compared to someone that's in like agency it will be very different nicole is that is that true yeah is that true yeah yeah i guess for the agency process oh wow it's kind of like a wild card it just depends on like the pitches that you've won the, and the project itself. Like there's sometimes some designers will get involved with the pitches. So, you know, you got <laughs> you have some work to do before you even start doing the work. And also some clients, like I mentioned before, will want you to be involved in the follow up. So after, you know, these wireframes or, you know, the, an app is launched, they want you to still like be there and kind of collect the information to maybe do some iterations. 
But most of the work is actually like if you see the whole design process, clients will ask for like kind of the fragments, like different fragments of the design process. You know, there's some clients that just want the branding, other clients just want the research or, you know, we've been asked just to do some usability testing. So it just sometimes the whole end to end experience and sometimes it's just the little pieces in between. That was my thought too when I was reading about agency when I was looking for a job and I always pictured in-house uh, in like boot camps, for example, they always talk about the end-to-end mm -hmm. process and I always thought you had to do that with in-house. Like, is this something that you have to do, Mika? Is this, are you going to shatter like the boot camp things <laughs> <laughs> that what we had, what we had to do? Can you repeat? Can you repeat? Yeah, like an in-house. Um, Process-wise? Yeah, like with Nicole, it was literally like, the pocket style, whereas they will just want one aspect of the process. So, uh, listeners, I'm about to break your understanding. <laughs> 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 no, uh, for in-house, well, the process really depends on how much time you have. For example, if you need to launch something within, let's say, two months, do you have time to like do everything within two months, given that you have other things going on? And you kind of have to weigh in like how you're going to approach the project so it's not necessarily like i skip every step but sometimes you kind of like develop that intuition already because if you're exposed to a lot of information like around how customers are usually behaving let's say on your on your service you get more context already like as you design you kind of like know okay this will probably uh, work because of the data that we already have and so Again, it depends on what constraints you're presented with and the timeline as well as the scope. So mm -hmm. when you're in the boot camp, you kind of learn the fundamentals. But then when you finally get into the real world, like designing for actual client, that's where you actually develop your own process. So you, ha you take the foundations of what you've learned and then you kind of like tailor it into your own style. And I think that's what makes each designer unique because over time you develop your own way of working, your own way of doing things but uh the important thing is that you have that basic understanding of how the design process works and you can apply it like in different ways i feel like based on what you said mika and based on what you said nicole i feel like mine is still in the middle <laughs> <laughs> you're the love child right? uh, yeah. <laughs> okay but i think there's no set process like an in in-house from what I'm understanding with Mika because we work with clients, so it really depends on what their mm -hmm. process is. Similar to you, Nicole, sometimes I will enter into a project and it will be like, we're already done the research part. Now we're just ideating now and thinking of the solution now. So I literally have to catch up like for my own part, not deliverables for the client because that's what happens in consulting. We literally just go straight into like in a design process and not knowing any context of it and we have to adapt. Yeah. So a lot of it times it's my own back research just to get me up to speed on what it is. So I think it's like similar to like you, Nicole, is that I'm like get the pockets, but depends on the design process stage that they're at. There was one point actually in one of my projects that they were done with the wireframes, everything got approved. And I literally mm -hmm. just had to QA because it made it to the sprint. And I had no context of what <laughs> these wireframes are. I was just there <laughs> just to QA and they needed me at that time. And that's what they do in consulting. Mm -hmm. they, they pull you in when they need you. And how then, do you do that though? Because you said that you get pulled in and like, how do you kind of get yourself up to speed with projects? Like when you're being pulled in, for example, on a specific stage where you don't really have that much context about 
literally it's just adapting <laughs> you just have to adapt i do i just see it as like in a pool of water and you yeah. if you don't know how to swim and you're forced to swim it's like something like your survival that. instincts kick in is that- my survival yeah my survival <laughs> instincts kick in but no in all ser- like i guess in a non-serious way i just ask a lot of questions and then sometimes these clients they already know that i'm just coming in like with no context so they're pretty super nice about it they will i usually have a design lead because i'm not a design lead yet so it will be in that Mm. client's um, in-house team and i'm just asking him questions so i lean on him a lot if i have any questions or anything and usually yeah these clients are super nice about it it's like asking questions asking help when you need it or sometimes i ask my coworkers because sometimes my coworkers might know more so it's like leaning in on resources and yeah, trying to adapt. And then after like, in the next few weeks, you'll definitely like come super comfortable in it. But I think like, that's an important skill in consulting is just learning to just adapt and just like when things change, because things do change a lot. There are some days where I'm like next week, oh, you're you're leaving this project. So sometimes I leave a project when that work is not even done. Mm-hmm. And they were like, by the way, we have to put you on another project. So yeah, I feel like I'm like on call, <laughs> like on call designer. <laughs> Like a Is that the same for you, Nicole? Like, what what do you do? Like, when that um, happens? Yeah, I think there are. You know, usually they try to involve the designer as soon as possible. But if that does happen, what we try to do is like we'll try to post like some briefing sessions, like with a client before we start the project, just because we don't want to go there empty-handed or anything like that. But there are some sessions like maybe there's not enough prep that was done before or sometimes even the client doesn't know what they want or what's going on so yeah there's a lot of brief sessions that were like okay you don't know what you want you don't know what you want us to do either like and that's where yeah I I feel like the same situation that happens to Lori happens to us sometimes that we have to just kind of go and see what we can do on the spot I feel like consulting agency if we were to compare yeah they're very very similar. I honestly think the only difference is that in agency, you guys work on multiple Mm. projects. Do you guys actually go into the client's office? No, we don't go to their office physically, but we do use like their, can I say, because everything's remote right now, right? So we do have access to their design Mm -hmm. systems, just like virtually or through Figma. And we technically, when we do work with a client, they give us access to their like systems. So we work under like a contract, um, like email or something something just so we can kind of communicate in the same channels that they do and then when that project is done we yeah they just clean everything up they delete our accounts and then we just move on to the next project okay so yeah it's very very similar i would say there's probably only like 10 percent like mm-hmm. difference between to what i do as well yeah, yeah mika you're the only yeah. one that's <laughs> that's not having to deal with all these changes <laughs> but i mean in in-house you still have to deal with some structural changes because sometimes like companies they would at least in my company they would propose things like oh we should try this new way of working and like there are still like novel things happening even within an in-house there's always something going on especially in retail come on retail right (laughs) there's always like stuff happening all around but i would say i wouldn't say that it's like a fixed way of doing things that there are still like changes here and there but maybe not as drastic 
as in, for example, in an agency or a consulting company? Because at the end of the day, we're still dealing like, with one type of business. So it would have been really nice, or maybe this yeah. is an idea for your next episode to kind of get the perspective of somebody from like an early startup, because I'm sure they also have to deal with this ambiguity oh, yeah. and kind of like adapting mm. and at the moment type of situations. Thank you, Nicole. No yeah. <laughs> This is just a hint and upcoming, but we were actually thinking of a conversation with the startup versus corporate because of the differences. We're just looking for someone. So if you're out there, contact us. We want to talk to you. Awesome. Putting it out there. Thank you so much. I'll move on to the next question. How are the teams structured in your job? I'll pass it on to Nicole first. Uh, in my agency specifically, I think we're probably like a medium-sized team. Um, so in terms of structure, it isn't too complicated. There's just like the PMs, the account manager, the creative director. And then among the designers, there's just probably junior or senior design, junior, mid or, and, or senior designers uh, within our team. And yeah, usually the seniors help out the juniors and the mid designers are kind of a little less reliant on the seniors or, you know, soon to be seniors. So yeah, it's not too complicated. And is it like the same team structure in all of the projects mm -hmm. that you were on? Usually uh, for these projects, like, again, if it's like a high complexity, they will probably pair a senior. <laughs> they will probably place a senior in that project. Or if it's something more easier, they will just, you know, send a junior in there. Or if it's like something big scale, we usually like to pair like seniors with juniors, kind of like a buddy system. So they're not on their own or um, usually ideally a senior and a junior or, you know, let's say if the seniors are all occupied or, you know, they don't have bandwidth, then um, they pair them up with a mid-level designer with a junior. And is it just designers or is there any other tech No, um, for everything else, we just rely on the client's resources. So for example, for Mika's client, I know they have an engineering team. So our designers work with, you know, Mika's engineering team specifically when do handover and when they're actually like building product and the engineering team sends us the QA later on. So, um, and same with like some other organizations have like data analysts that we also use, but they're not like our own agency stuff. They're just the client's resources. Okay. This is something that I'm noticing now that's a bit mm -hmm. different than in consulting. So in consulting because I'm like the half, I'm mm -hmm. the baby between in-house and agency. So in consulting, I, because I work directly with the in-house team. So our team structure would really depend on the client and the project that I am on. And typically, I will, will probably have a design lead in the client's in-house team. And then I'm there as the UX designer. And then we'll also have if the team is set up in a product format which is some of the projects I've been mostly on then they'll have a product owner or product manager that's in the in the client's in-house team and then yeah the developers it really depends on the project so far I've only been working directly with the in-house team that is like yeah it composed like in product so we actually work the product team format we call it the pod and then we have like scrums meetings and then we have product refinement 
I'm just not an employee of that company. So I am literally like the outsider of it. But they don't see me as as an outsider. They just as if I'm like one of them, but I really am an outsider. So you're like the, the second opinion within the company? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like it, it kind of reminds me like when I worked with the Hakan people in Japan, they were contractors, but they were still working with them. But I didn't even know if they were contractors. Like something like that. Yeah. It's hard to tell. So for me, sometimes they don't even know that I'm out an outside company. I don't know. What about you, Mika? Like in-house might be different. Yeah, it is. But then like, in-house, it varies from company to company because there are in-house companies that have these teams of designers, right? In my case, though, it's just four designers within my company here. And each of us handle different aspect of the the business for example in my case i handle mostly acquisition initiatives acquisition mm-hmm. channels so if there are projects that are geared towards that it's always going to be me who will be assigned to that and then some of my other teammates they are more in the customer retention side so they do that but each designer is pretty much on their own in a way so i do pretty much everything i manage the timelines i manage the what deliverables will be handed over i work with different teams so it's not just other designers that i work with i work even with non-technical people like marketing team or seo content brand teams so they're all these other people that I have to coordinate with every time we have a project that will be released. And so, yeah, I, I, I do consult with my other co-teammates in the, within the design team. But overall, it's like you're pretty much on your own. So I, I'm given a lot of autonomy, actually, because I handle like different types of initiatives in my company. And so I tend to like make a decision on my own. So without, well, not necessarily not without without consulting my manager but uh, my manager pretty much like assigned me like okay this is your realm do whatever you need to do and then if you need help then you can consult with me but for the most part I make the decision of of, okay what's going to be feasible what's what should go what shouldn't go and setting expectation pretty much on on behalf of the entire design team for a particular project okay because you're in the lead role so you're not working in a specific pod, for example, where you're like building no. out. Okay, yeah, you're more of the higher up. Like for me, I would go to the lead if I needed help like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the thing is like, it's kind of weird because when whenever like people ask me, okay, what should I do? What, what should we do with this? And developers asking me like, okay, for example, I handed them a design and then the developers come back to me and they go, uh, I don't think they can make it because of X, Y, and Z because of these following constraints. And it's up to me to make the call of what to do with that. As opposed to, for example, if you're working in another in-house company where there can be different opinions on things. In my case, it's up to me to make the decision on those things. So in a way, there's a lot of pressure because, you know, there's things at stake. Like, for example, is this going to... I have to assess is this going to be something that would derail the entire project or can this be compromised? And so I usually have to try and find compromises. So for example, if they cannot deliver a certain specification in the design that I handed over, then I have to assess how that will affect the success of the project. And then if I need to make a compromise, then I kind of like do the negotiating part as well. Kind of have to not just have the technical you know, skills 
to make the actual design, but you also need to have that soft skill of like negotiating deadlines, negotiating deliverables, and, you know, those kind of decision-making skills that you, I mean, you still need to have it as a designer, but then when you're kind of like in charge of the timelines as well, you need that extra, I would say, soft skill in communicating with other people who aren't really in your field, like who aren't designers. So they don't know much of the the lingo or like the technical know-how in UX. So you have to kind of explain it to them, like why certain decisions are going to be made. Mm -hmm. Because like, I guess for like, then for the most part, the team, the overall team that you're in, that you're assigned to, like it's still, Mm -hmm. the people are still the same regardless, right? Yeah, they're pretty much the same. But then sometimes, at least in my case, sometimes it changes because, for example, in a certain project, there's going to be a different, let's say, marketing person who will be mm-hmm. assigned to that project. And then in another okay. project that I'll work on, there's like going to be another one. It's okay. like DJ Khaled, like another one. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. And you, and my job is to keep track, like, okay, who do I go to? Let's say I need certain things. And so you kind of have to get a grasp of who are the stakeholders as well. And for example, if you deliver something like who needs to see this before it goes out. Mm -hmm. So if I deliver, let's say, a new user journey for a specific project, I need to know who are the stakeholders that needs to be briefed about this before we put something live. Yeah, because I was wondering about like, yeah, who would I'm like for you, Nicole, for your aspect and agency, I'm assuming like they would Mm -hmm. probably change. That if you're handling four projects, so you're probably handling like four different stakeholders. Is that challenging? I mean, but that's the thing. Um, I don't get to do it just by myself. There are other like PMs that are designated to kind of handle the stakeholders as well. And sometimes they're like the bridge people between the stakeholders and the designers. So that's always backup to have. Yeah, I thought that with agency, it looked a bit difficult for that reason is that always meeting like new Mm. people, like new stakeholders and sounds a bit tiring. Like sometimes you just want consistency and having the same team because once you build that team energy and that it just makes work just so much easier. Like when you're used to each other, right? Like when you kind of have that a rapport already going on. Mm -hmm, Right, exactly. For Nicole, for your teammates, they're pretty much like consistent Uh, yeah Yeah, I think our team are like designer colleagues yep they're very consistent they're still the same people that I started out with and same with the PMs I think the only like constant change is just yeah the the stakeholders and the projects see this is might be a bit different in consulting because sometimes I might work with people in my team because we do have a design team it's just I don't really get to work with them on projects because we all get placed in with different clients so maybe I I have in the past worked with them but then sometimes you work alone which in most cases I have been working alone and it gets a bit lonely (laughs) and another thing was that with consulting you have to again I'm going to say the word adapt adapt to a different team and it's sometimes can be a bit tiring to always keep on meeting new people and mm-hmm. having to relearn that the different management style and I honestly I think in my um when I start on a new project I think the first thing I think of is like oh my gosh am I going to get along with the team because <laughs> it really matters when you work on a project you like you have yeah. no idea. And it kind of, yeah, it's just something that is always crossing my mind whenever I start a new project. And then once I get the hang of the team, then I will start to um, 
build that rapport and then it will get so much better. And I think like that's the one thing I'm like, I'm kind of glad in consulting. It's like, oh, if I don't like the person on one of the teams, like client on one of my clients team, then I can just like leave. I don't have to quit. I can just be like, oh, okay, it's only short term. So I can just leave after. So I do like uh, because it's time. only for mm-hmm. a certain period, right? Like this project. Yeah, like that's how I feel. You don't have to like deal with them. Like, okay, I don't like this person, but you know, one more month. (laughs) Like literally, that's how I feel. I don't know if that's how you feel, Nicole, but sometimes that's how I feel with projects. I'm like, okay, I only have one more month to deal with this person. But if I was like working full time with them, I was like, oh my gosh, then I want to quit my job and search for a new one. I think that's maybe the structure is different, and I think this is why you know we can both survive. Yeah, I think my team of designers, like they're great people, to be honest. And I'm glad I think maybe the the creative director and even like HR, they focus on not only, you know, the technical skills, but also like the personality and the culture fit, because, you know, one person can ruin all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think right. we've been mm-hmm. lucky that the designers that they hired, we like everybody's super chill, friendly, like mellow. And I think this is why um, it just makes our team stick together a little bit more. And yeah, and I think because we do work on the same, like the only things that are changing are like the the stakeholders. So I think just going through different projects with each other, like we build that support and that like trust. So I know if like I get a nasty, you know, stakeholder in the future, you know, my, my design colleague is going to be able to like back me up because, you know, we just been through so much together. But that's also like a very valid way of seeing things. Like maybe if somebody you don't get along with, you can always be like, Hey, (laughs) I don't have to see you next month. And that's also okay. (laughs) Honestly, there was one project I was on and with my client and I was like super comfortable. I really loved the team. And when I got pulled off, I was actually pretty sad. There's always that anxiety that gets mm-hmm. in my head if I'm starting a new project. And then another thing is like, yeah, my calendar. I always have to delete all the meetings because I'm not part of that like oh. client anymore. So literally I have to refresh my calendar and start afresh. It's new. like you're switching jobs every few months. It's It almost feels like that. I kind of feel like I'm switching a job every few months. Like. But I'm getting paid to well, switch Lori, a job. I'm not sure if you like ever want to reconnect with your old teammates, but something that at least my agency does is like we do try to schedule. Like everybody works remotely right now, but something that we do try to schedule maybe like once every two or three months is just like a dinner or a lunch for everybody to just come in and get together in one space. So yeah, I think that's like a nice like bonding time that we have with each other. Honestly, yeah, I do try to, because like internally we do have like a design team, but because we get placed in like different companies, we do try, I do try to go to like all the social events because I think consulting can get pretty lonely if you're by yourself. Sometimes you're not by yourself and because you still feel like an outsider, even though you are getting put into that company, you still feel like the outsider, like part of that company because there's some protocols that you don't follow sometimes for companies I don't get invited to their social events <laughs> like the client social events they would ask me they're like did you get invited and I'm like oh no I didn't <laughs> I'm not part of the company that's why I'm only here like as a we call it like a vendor or contractor similar mm-hmm. to like Hacken. sometimes they don't get benefits so we would have to promote this like team environment internally because we're a bunch of people like going to different clients so mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah I do value the team with internally <laughs> 
So a question that I really want to know now is what is like pro and con in working in in-house agency and consulting? I want to start off with Mika because I'm very curious with in-house because in-house is very heavily glamorized in the UX industry. Is it really I think so? I, I feel like it. I feel like everyone I know wants to work in-house. Really? Like product design. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so for in-house, well, uh, I would say one of the pros is that you really get to understand a certain industry more holistically. And you get to know how things are operated at the ground level. You get exposed to like different sides of the business. And so if, for example, if, if you have set your sights on a certain industry and you want to work in-house, you have a good opportunity to really get to know how things operate and what the industry in general is. And another pro would be, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most of the time the in-house compensation are much better in terms of salary no i've never worked in house i want to know i did work a startup and i'm sure but i don't think startup (laughs) compensation is that great okay i guess yeah it also depends if you're at a startup or in a multinational corporation but i think compensation wise there's more i guess like monetary benefits in-house with in-house and if you If you're a designer, you want to really get deep into a certain field and being in an in-house environment, I think would be good for you. The con would be, I say the the opposite is that you won't get exposed to like different niches, unlike if you work in an agency or in a consulting company. So if you're a designer who isn't that sure yet of which industry you want to specialize in, then maybe in-house might not be right for you at this time so that's another thing con maybe it relates to something that you guys mentioned earlier so if you end up in a team that you don't really like then i'm sorry but you're gonna be stuck (laughs) it's not like a consulting setup where you can just say bye in a couple of months and then you don't have to deal with them again so you have to quit then (laughs) No, if, you don't, no. if you don't like it. That's, that's a con. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I guess like a good counter to that would be you really get to polish your people skills because you, you'll be dealing with people um, on a daily basis and you're going to encounter different types of personalities. Um, I guess it's the same even for an agency or consulting, but uh, you're going to be uh, working more closely with your teammates in an in-house setting. So that's another thing. And you get to do other things within the same business. So you get to be in charge with like different uh, initiatives within the company. So that's another thing if you're really looking into specializing in a certain area in UX design. Okay, yeah. You know what? I've heard some in-house UX and product designers, they're moving to a different industry they still get that imposter syndrome because they're like, oh, I was so specialized in like e-commerce, for example, or um, mm. healthcare, and I'm moving to something different like auto. And they still feel that imposter syndrome. And I'm like, no way. You had five plus years experience and you still feel that way. That's what I feel heard. that all the time. But yeah, I know. That's what I've heard with in-house <laughs> designers. They still feel that they're not good enough. Very like good. ongoing <laughs> self-doubt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nicole? No. What's a pro and con that you... You yeah, have agency. Um, one con 
Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> go straight to the negatives. <laughs> so one of the cons would be, oh, probably like the workflow, like I mentioned before. Yeah, the workflow comes in waves. So there's going to be months that you're going to be super swamped and there's going to be other months that you're going to have almost like nothing to do. So I think that would be a con, especially if somebody likes more um, consistency in their workflow. So uh, yeah, another con would be, oh, I think just something I mentioned before, like you might not get the end-to-end I guess, like projects that you might want to, like uh, we mentioned before. Uh, yeah, it's just very fragmented. Sometimes, you know, the client will just want wireframes. Other times they just want research. So if you're looking for end-to-end, this might not be like the space for you. And pros, uh, one pro would be the interview actually process is uh, shorter than in-house. I think maximum they have is just depends on the company, but usually like two to four interviews the most. Yeah. So if you're just burned out from doing interviews, go for agency. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? UX interviews are are so like like, like, take home challenges, (laughs) whiteboard challenges. It just it drains the life out of you. That's a good motivating factor. Exactly. And another problem would be, um, yeah, in like, let's say in a period of time, like in one year, you can get a lot of experience in different types of sectors for different products. Um, Yeah. And I think if that thing, like, you don't know what exactly, you know, what type of products you're into or type of industry is for you, this is a good way to kind of figure things out. How about you, Lori? I'm going to say it's quite very similar to you, Nicole. I think out of this whole discussion, I'm just thinking, wow, agency, very similar to a consult. Okay, I'll start off the con too, just to get it over with. Yeah, I think just to iterate with you, Nicole, I want to say the same thing. The con is that there's a period of wave, so it's inconsistent. So in consulting, we have something called on the bench because we're very project-based and if we don't have any client work project work then we will have to do other things like either training or career growth or even um, like reading or even helping internally with stuff but we're not working on a project so this could probably not be good if you are looking to want something that's always consistent workload, always like developing your design skills. Because in consulting, sometimes you could be like the term on the bench. So no project work, at least maybe five, maybe three to six months, or maybe even more. I don't know. It really depends really? on the company. Yeah. Or it could be even two days or two weeks. It really depends on like the company mm-hmm. itself and the business. But yeah, that's what is, that's the con that in consulting is definitely yeah i'm gonna iterate is the that very inconsistency because Mm. of the it's project based and also maybe you are working with different types of peoples you have to be able to i want to say it again the word adapt adapt to different situations so if you're someone that is wanting more stability stability type of career and just wanting to have like work be with the same type of team same type of similar type of process, then consulting might not be uh, for you because it's quite fast paced, quite always on trying to tackle situations and start from the ground running. And I know some people love thrive on that. So it really depends on like what the type of person you are. I mean, for me, I don't mind it because um, I have been put in situations, especially working in Japan, where I didn't even know things like sometimes I wouldn't even know like speak on the phone in Japanese and I wouldn't even know 50% of the conversation and I just had to roll with the conversation and assume what I 
understood. So I was already used to kind of like you call it Mika, like survival mode. You gotta do. Yeah, exactly. You gotta do what you gotta do. When you pick up the phone and someone's asking you something in Japanese, I just rolled with it. And <laughs> another con is definitely the same as what Nicole said, is that you don't get to see the end-to-end process. So you only see the pockets of the design process. I'm also mm-hmm. the same. I don't get to see my work grow and evolve and you don't get that closure like what nicole said it's yeah yeah we just we're just kind of opposite of what you see in in in-house because with in-house yeah you get to see it from beginning to end Mm -hmm. and to really assess okay was it successful or not and what it's gonna be turning into because for better or worse you get to see that uh, as an in-house designer. So Right. I think in for your growth as a designer, I think that helps you to see. And then you're able to, you can understand more of the problem of like what users are looking for. So that is something mm-hmm. that, yeah, in consulting, it, it's just the industry itself. You just don't get to always see it the end to end. Sometimes you do, but sometimes like you mm-hmm. don't. It really depends on the project. I feel like not really stability going on here. But pros, I would say the pro is definitely like, I want to say the same thing with Nicole. It's very similar is that you get to go through so many different industries and work with so many different types of people. And then you really get to know yourself, like what type of work you want going forward. Like I think consulting was one of my very serious first full-time design job. And I already just by working at least even like for almost two years now, I know like what I want and I know like what industry I don't like what I do like. I have that safety zone of just trying out different industries. And if I don't like Mm -hmm. it, well, I know the project's not going to be like a year. It's going to be very Mm -hmm. short term. So it's just for me to try it out. So I love that you get to try it out. And I do recommend it for starting designers is to, yeah, you try out different industries and then you get to see what you like. It's more like, it's more of a risk-free environment than to like go full-time and then you think you like it, but really you don't. And Oh, and another pro is that my skill as a designer has grown tremendously. I don't know if you felt this way, Nicole, when you worked in an industry, but like for me, because I get placed into projects and sometimes the skills in these projects, they kind of challenge you to go out of your comfort zone because of the the clients don't always get 100% of what they want in terms of the skill set of like the person that is going to be on this project. So a lot of times I'm like challenging myself in terms of the growth. So a lot of times the skills that I would not have done in if I worked in an in-house, I wouldn't have done it here in consulting just because it's just challenging me to do more higher level type of work. And then I guess compared to maybe like an in-house, it would be like progression, like, I don't know, start off with junior with like UI work and stuff. But I think with consulting, because things change and things are so different, they you just like get put into this situation and that forces you to challenge yourself and grow as a designer so that is definitely a pro that i appreciate and i think that's that's basically it i do have a question for you nicole final question this is for our listeners because our listeners they really like learning more about japan and you're in a unique place right now to be giving this advice. But what are your thoughts on working in Japan as a UX designer? Uh, Lori, <laughs> what a bomb to drop. <laughs> um, are we all going to hear something? 
hot tea. No, you're no. going. To- yeah, I think I just want to put it out there that you know being in Japan is kind of being in a time machine. Like there's some industries that it's like ahead of its time, like you know AI, robotics, and there's other industries that it's behind. And I can say uh, UX design is one of them for sure. But I think that this just brings more opportunities for designers to kind of help fix that problem that Japan has. And working in Japan as a designer, I think, okay, we'll, we'll tackle the designer part first. Because, so again, like I mentioned before, yeah, it is pretty young in the UX industry, but it's slowly developing. So this brings challenges and opportunities. The opportunities is like, for sure, designers need to come and like help fix the company's problems or help out the users and whatnot. But I think one issue that I've encountered is because it's still young, um, you know, getting like buy-in from the stakeholder is a little bit difficult uh, because companies are still figuring out what UX design is. Like I think UX design is already quite established and almost even saturated in like North America. But in Japan, it's still something new. And that's trying to get trying to convince people to see the worth in UX design. It it still happens every day. So that would be kind of Mm. the designer part. And because of the lack of development here, I, I also saw that in my interview process as well. Like there were some companies that they would advertise, this is a UX designer job, and I would go into it and doing the inter- you know, during the interview process, I figured out, oh no, this isn't a UX job, this is a UI job. But I'm like, but do they know that? <laughs> it's a little awkward telling, you know, an interviewee telling the interviewer like, hey, this isn't a UX job. Do you know what the difference between UX and UI is, right? That's something that nobody really wants to do. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess there's still that ed- education part that needs to keep going in Japan. And in terms of as a foreigner, like Canadian lady working in Japan, that's also a whole can of worms. <laughs> oh, do I know? Um, that? Yeah, you know the, the tech, yeah, tech everywhere is kind of saturated by men. So that's also an interesting view that I have. And specifically here too, um, you're not only competing with other like foreign designers, but also with the Japanese counterparts. So I think during my job hunt, I had two choices. Like one was to either follow like the traditional Japanese company path or to go for the foreign companies. And I think for my sanity and also for my cultural fit, I went with the foreign companies just because, you know, I just can't deal with the overtime, you know, the zangyo, the drinking parties. That's not for me. (laughs) And also like there's also those unspoken rules about the Japanese workplace like you can't leave before your boss leaves you know that's something that I just don't know and I don't really want to deal with so I went with the other path which is the foreign companies in Japan and their work culture is international and friendly and outgoing and I think that's what kind of resonates with my lifestyle so that's the path that I chose. Awesome well thanks so much for sharing Nicole it was so nice to talk to you also learned a lot about your experiences Mm -hmm. as well as you as well Mika it was such a really amazing conversation and thank you so much for being our first guest here too yay you have set the bar now (laughs) for any other guests that comes on here I just wanted to tell listeners that if you're interested in following Nicole on social media we will put her Instagram in the show notes Uh, she's got a really cool Instagram so you gotta check it out 
And just the final remarks is that please give us a rating and a review of Designer Sushi on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because that really helps us with the visibility and also if we're like producing like the right content too because right now we're just going with the flow on like what we like but we'd love to hear your like listeners thoughts as well but everyone thank you so much hopefully this talk was had some really great takeaways for your career and your if you're thinking of pursuing ux or if you're thinking about like working in japan as a ux designer or in like tech in general and yeah we'll see you guys in the next episode then all right bye bye thank you for having me